So your meetings of the day are Andy, Donald Trump, kids, <laughs> dinner. Yep. dinner. Got it. Got it. No That's wonder you need a drink. Jeez. <laughs> This is episode 249 of Bourbon Pursuit, and it's another week stuck at home. I don't know about you, but we're party hopping. We're going from the living room to the dining room, the kitchen, all just looking for some entertainment. And as you can guess, the industry news has also been pretty slow. So you're in luck. We've got a short intro this week. We all know that restaurants and bars are feeling the pain right now. So one man in Tampa, Florida stepped up with a $40,000 cashier's check to purchase a bottle of the old Rip Van Winkle 25-year decanter that was listed for $20,000 to help save Dats, one of his favorite restaurants in the area. This bottle was only one of 710 that was released back in 2017 that had an SRP of around $1,800. In Bourbon Pursuit news, our Jack Daniels Barrel Proof Single Barrel went on sale this week and then it sold out. Because of COVID-19, we've had to delay three of our barrel selections this year, and we're hoping we won't have to reschedule any more. But I hope everyone can be grateful that we've got ourselves a few good bottles that get us through this process. And if you want to see all the barrel selections that we have scheduled and the ones that we have for the rest of the year, go to patreon.com slash bourbon pursuit. During this time, when you're hanging out with family or friends on Zoom, they might be seeing you there sipping a bourbon neat while they've got a cold, refreshing beer in their hands. Ask if they want to try some of your bourbon. Fill up a sample bottle or two, walk it over, drop it in their driveway, put it in their mailbox. Take this opportunity to spread the good word of bourbon. And since they're stuck at home, tell them to check out your favorite bourbon podcast so they can binge and catch up as well. You'd be doing both of us a favor and we'd really appreciate it. As you know, we're pushing out more content on live streams, so make sure that you're following our social media handles. And you may have even seen some bonus episodes this past week as well. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you never miss those bonus episodes. Today's podcast, as you guessed it, is a reflection on what's been happening with the coronavirus. The whiskey industry is going to see some big changes because of this. We've seen an insurmountable push for legislation, and that's been passed because it reflects to shipping and delivery of alcohol because it's now deemed an essential part of living and our culture. But how long will this trend stick around? Can we continue to see this as the pandemic is over, hopefully we get to see more relaxed laws continue to happen. And if you want to see more relaxed laws and what you'd like to see changed, let's hear it in the comments. Once again, enjoy this time inside with your family. Have a nice pour of bourbon. And now you get to hear Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from an old email Keith Norton wrote on March 3rd, sorry for the delay, Keith, I wanted to know what's the difference between bourbon, a rye bourbon, and a weeded bourbon from a taste perspective. Is one sweeter than another? Does one have a malty flavor? And uh, yeah, happy to approach that. It's actually a good good chunk of that information in my book, Bourbon Curious, that you can uh, go to, and it's, it's a pretty good guide look. When it comes to breaking down the flavors of all whiskeys, not just bourbon, but scotches and everything, there's so much that goes into it. The mash bill is something that we tend to get uh, connected to because we understand it. We really start formulating thoughts about how one profile is different, when in fact, 
a weeded bourbon has his historically going in at lower barrel entry proofs. And I would argue that, hey, maybe it's not the wheat that's causing it to have that real velvety structure and the, and the deep caramel notes. Maybe it's the barrel entry proof. And then you have um, the high rye bourbons that tend to be extraordinarily spicy. I've had some of late that tend to be more floral than spicy. And where does that come from? Why? It's a matter of fact, the yeast. But talking about the yeast is not necessarily as sexy as, as the grain. Now, there are definitely those that are more malt forward. And Heaven Hill is a kind of like a classic example for me that they tend to, a lot of their whiskeys will have like a caramel malt flavor to it. Now, where's that coming from? Yeah, it could very well be their distillation technique or the, the way the barrels are aging. But when it comes down to it, you do have some generalizations to how these whiskeys will taste. In nine times out of 10, the higher the rye content, the more spice you will find, okay? So I'm talking about like pepper, cinnamon, cardamom, all these like baking spices that you would like have in your, your baking spice rack, you know, you'll find a lot more of those in the higher rye bourbons. You'll also tend to find like a nugget of um, herbs from time to time. Now the weeded bourbons will, they tend to be a, just a touch sweeter, just a touch softer, and they don't have that same kind of vibrant finish on kind of a generalization. Now, you give me a William LaRue Weller from uh, the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, and you're going to just get your socks knocked off, you know? So, I mean, it, it varies. But Maker's Mark, which is kind of like the everyday standard, you know, weeded bourbon, you know, four or five years old weeded um, recipe, you know, a lot of people will taste that and says it's very wood forward. It has nothing to do with the wheat. So more, more of the things that we taste and, and nose out of whiskeys, um, you know, grains only probably make up 20 to 30% of, of, the, of, of the flavor. Most of it's coming from the barrel and the techniques. If you were really, you need to lump the grains into like the fermentation technique. So if you put that, if you put the grains in the same kind of like soup as the, fermentation and the yeast, you know, then I think that that 20 to 30% goes up to about 40%. It's all about who you talk to and, you know, what distillery prioritizes how, you know, how they make it. So is the grain important? Oh God, absolutely. It all starts with the grain, but is it the end all be all for the taste and flavor that you get? No, but it sure is fun to talk about and it's easy to understand. So that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you have an idea for Above the Char like Keith, why don't you write me an email? You can go to my website, fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Click that contact button. And uh, at the very least, uh, maybe we can start a conversation about good bourbon. Until next week, cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel, It's Bourbon Night, bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now 
at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. This is the 43rd recording of the, I know it sounds like a question. I, it is the 43rd recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. Actually, I had to second guess myself because it's, uh, it's so many times. But uh, Fred, Ryan, good to see you all again on this glorious quarantined evening. How are you all? Great. I feel like I see you all more on quarantine virtually than <laughs> in real life. <laughs> you know, it's oh, it's always just good to hang out with my with my fellas. It's good to see you guys. Well, I would say that I'm I'm getting a little stir crazy. Like I'm I'm ready for this stuff to end. Um, it's that, or I'm also getting to the point now where I have to get on like Zoom meetings for my daughter, and because she has like virtual soccer practice or like <laughs> classrooms and stuff, and it's killing me because I've been using Zoom for three years now, and I know how to press the damn mute button, and you log <laughs> on, and it's just chaos. There's just sound coming from everywhere. Well, imagine what it's like to be a teacher. You know, I mean, I, this whole thing has made me realize that we don't pay our teachers enough mm-hmm. and and uh, whatever we can do to increase their salaries. Let's do it. Yeah. Get back uh, to work. Yeah. Um, so we can um, pay their salaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So we've got a we've got a good lineup of stuff to talk about tonight, but let's go ahead. We'll go around the horn. Um, and you know, because a lot's actually changed since uh, we we're here at the last round table with COVID-19. But I want people to just do the regular introduction. So we'll start off with Blake. Blake, just kind of tell people uh, where you blog at and uh, you know. If, if, you know, where do you think, or how do you think Carol Baskins actually killed her husband? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm Blake from Bourboner. Um, You probably know me as the Cal Ripken of the round table, still undefeated on the round table. That's, uh, (laughs) you know, if you're undefeated by just showing up, that's how, that's what I kind of W in this, in this world, but no, always fun to be here. So thanks again. Um, Yeah. Everyone who watched Tiger King, go back and listen to the podcast. I feel like that's the new uh, debate. It's like, well, was the movie better or was the book better? You know, our generation's debate was, was the podcast better or was the uh, documentary better on Netflix? So Check that out. Definitely more entertaining. So, I'll actually have to go out and check the podcast. Uh, we actually ended up watching last night the uh, the kind of like after whatever it is with Joel McHale. And so it just kind of <laughs> talked about it was just like a, a one hour series of just, you know, interviewing pretty much everybody 
except the Tiger King himself. So it was uh, it was pretty good. Let's yeah. Go check that on Netflix if you haven't yet. So is, it, is it officially on Netflix? I saw everybody complaining on uh, Twitter that Joel is basically just making fun of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he made fun of himself too. So okay, fair makes enough. That's what makes a good host. Yeah. He was right. also a tight end, so we, me and Joel McHale, something in common. We share that. We share that trait. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and just you can DM each other on Twitter and talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, about the glory days. <laughs> All right, Jordan, what do you think? Uh, was it? Did she feed him to the tigers, or is he buried in a septic tank? Oh, a hundred percent the tigers. Quick, easy. They were hungry. Why not? So this is Jordan from BreakingBourbon.com. You can catch us all the socials at Breaking Bourbon. Make sure to visit the site for our uh, near daily release calendar updates. Awesome. And Brian, what are your thoughts? Do you think Carol did it, or you think uh, you think you think maybe she's she's clean on this one? I mean, you well, are the law here. Well, I'm going to throw you for a loop on this. I haven't seen it. I don't have Netflix. I'm also the person who uh, avoided seeing Titanic and Avatar, so I I try not to do those things. Yeah, I'm really exciting well, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you avoided Titanic. Is that because you like you already knew what the end was going to happen? It was well, is <laughs> knew what was going to happen, and it was it, people were too far into it. it well, was, it was too big. I guess I, I was contrarian on on that. But so <laughs> I right. can't. So I can't. I mean, I know from Twitter what's going on, but uh, I, I'm clueless when it comes to it. Um, but uh, if so, if you want boring stuff that's not up to date, uh, come see Brian here. Right. Sipping Corn, uh, mostly on Twitter, uh, sippingcorn.com and bourbonjustice.com. Thanks for having me on again, guys. As always, man, always happy to have you here. So I guess the one thing we want to start talking about is because a lot has happened since the last time we had talked. I remember it was, what, three weeks ago, and it was maybe actually it's probably four weeks ago. Things were like just starting to snowball, right? Just a little bit. I know Jordan uh, in Pennsylvania, like, there was talk of like some things happening, but they hadn't closed down all the liquor stores yet. And then now they, <laughs> yeah. now they like reopened them up somewhat like online. Like what a hot mess. Yeah. So, yeah. So for those at home that don't know about PA, it's a state run system and it's beyond sloppily managed on a good day. Right. So, um, they shut down the liquor stores, but before they did that, they announced that they were going to shut it down. So there was of course a mad rush and everyone ignored social distancing. And they also shut down online delivery. And then they've opened up online delivery maybe like a week or two ago. But I have yet to talk to one person who's figured out a way to get in. And it was really funny. So they did an article like basically saying the it came out touting the success of the online liquor store and how well it's going, right? And they basically measured it by saying, well, on a normal day, we get we process four orders an hour. But now we're up to like 50 orders an hour. Right. And you think about that and that's for an entire state. Right. So like any other private business would go out of business a long time ago and somehow PA spins that for a win. So it's been a hot mess. The good news, local distilleries around PA are shipping. You know, we've seen a lot of uptick in supporting local, which is great. And I'm a huge advocate, especially during this time of supporting local for all businesses. So we've seen a huge influx of people around the state buying from their local distilleries or trying out new distilleries around the state, which is really nice. But boy, did the state just drop the ball on this one. And I guess that kind of goes into really like the first subject. When we look at the way that consumer demand has really changed from COVID-19, I, I mean, let's, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Like we've been touting this for a long time and, you know, Blake's been on the forefront with opening seal box and, and trying to get shipping 
uh, happening and, and, and making that happen. Uh, and then all of a sudden you see Drizzly and Instacart and Bart and all these different kind of services, like they're going to meet like five or six X their annual projections now. And you now are also seeing every single liquor store, every single restaurant scrambling to get their, their, their online or basically get their store online. And not only that, I mean, we'll talk about house 15, hospital 415 in a little bit, but I mean, do we see that after this thing starts ending, like after it's over, are we going to see some of these services start going like back to normal? Or do you think this is, this is going to be the new normal? I think Pandora's box been open when it comes to liquor delivery. That's for sure. So, you know, other businesses aside, I think consumers now are realizing, well, we should be able to, everything else can get to our doorstep. We should, you know, be able to get liquor to our doorstep too. And the convenience is just there, right? I mean, if you can avoid a trip to the store, they don't have it in stock, all that stuff. Sure. And I think people are, once they, once they get used to it, they're going to continue to expect that afterwards. And I don't blame them. And, and it's not going to take long to get used to this. I mean, if, if we can, get drive up uh, cocktails made ahead of us for the, from the restaurant and get that. And if we can get curbside service or delivery service from the liquor store, I mean, it's the train's leaving the station already. I, I hope that's, I hope this lasts. One thing that I noticed that after, after I wrote that Forbes story and um, I can't remember what the title was, it was something to do with like a, the pandemic, you know, brewing a war between the distillers and wholesalers. I got a lot of feedback from uh, distillers thanking me for this. The one thing that I have uh, realized in this in this uh, current state is that the distilleries really, really want shipping. I mean, they want they want shipping probably more than uh, anything that's out there, and um, you know they don't all come out talking about it, but they all really want it because it's another revenue driver for them. And this has shown that this is where the consumer populace wants to live moving forward. Cause we're not, I don't know where, when, you know, when we're going to go back to normal. I mean, everyone wants to talk about, you know, when that's going to be, ain't nobody got a crystal ball, but everybody needs a drink. And, um, that drive through is nice. That delivery is really freaking nice. And so yeah. let's, I want to talk to the guy a little bit that, that actually, could show us a graph of sales like Blake what have you seen in regards of like just your online sales I mean have they increased at all or is it kind of status quo no, it, it definitely has um uh, and, and it's a little hard because it is a newer company so like saying that it's up you know 90 percent over last year's is a little bit of a you know a false sense of what's actually happening because I don't have a ton of historical data but in general you know you have what they call OND. So October, November, December, then it slums. And we, we still haven't seen that slump yet. You know, it's, it's been jumping right up and um, you know, it's funny. You can kind of see as some of these States, certain States in particular will uh, they'll, they'll call for a lockdown and we'll see an increase in traffic from those States. So um, it, it is a really interesting thing because I think a lot of these government officials are having to, think about this for the first time. Whereas before they just had a lobbyist or whoever it was saying, nope, we can't do that. It's not safe. And it's like, hold on with all this. It's like, <laughs> why is this not safe again? Like it's mm -hmm. not safe for people to go to a liquor store. So explain to me why it's not safe for them to have it delivered to their home. So, um, you know, you, you don't want to say like something good comes out of this where we get this pushed through because it is so minor compared to what we're facing, but it, it has 
a lot of people rethinking it. And, you know, just on the seal box side, we've seen a giant increase in, uh, in sales and people interested from other states that we can't ship to. And it's like, Hey, why can't you ship to me in New York? We're, you know, we're locked down. And I'm like, I I'd love to, but your, your state says we can't. So <laughs> yeah. The fear talk, I have though is that, uh, is that mm-hmm. the, they're going to be so busy trying to rebuild their states and do deal with so much more important issues that it's going to get put on the back burner even more. And so like, I don't know, it's, Every day, it seems like Andy gets, Andy, our governor, gets asked, like, so why are liquor stores essential? <laughs> you know, and like, it's so, you know, there's still people trying to like prod that they're, you know, because we have some, int- we have an interesting demographic in our state. Of, well, I think, I think know. we might have talked about that last time, picking back on that though, Ryan. So I know, right. And that's what was surprising for a lot of people in Pennsylvania because there is, you know, I've read, a lot of articles from just doctors and governors have said the same thing as much as we don't want to admit it, right? Like alcohol abuse is a large issue for a large amount of the population. And if you don't give them access to alcohol, then they're the ones clogging up the hospital. Systems, oh yeah. Right? No doubt. So, yeah, you- and, but I think that also <laughs> should show you like should be eye opening for a lot of people. Yeah, for you sure. Know? No doubt. I mean, I, I totally agree. And, I, and oh, yeah, this has yeah. kind of broke down that barrier, like that distributors could say mm-hmm. that, oh, it's not safe. But now they're like, we need this to keep sales going. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's uh, it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I hope it, it all continues on because I mean, it's it's fantastic. We tried the Drizzly app and got stuff shipped to our house. And now I got all my neighbors doing it for Party Mart here. And like, they're like loving it. It's uh, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> You know, there's a there's been another um, wrinkle that's come up from this. And, you know, while the the shipping stuff and everything has come on, I, you you all always hear me talk about this, but the uh, anti-alcohol people have started coming on saying that this is uh, uh, they're looking to try and ban alcohol in every single state right now. So they're they're taking advantage of this pandemic in a very different way. They're saying that this is going to lead to more abuse in the homes. There's going to be more domestic abuse. There's going to be more. Uh, alcohol-related problems. There's going to be more liver failures and stuff. So they're taking this as an opportunity to say, hey, look at all these sales. You know, our country, we're going to be hurting from this. We need to ban all liquor sales. I mean, that that's some of the stuff that, that's also going going on right now backdoor and, and legis- with legislators. I feel like yeah, we should make an amendment to the Constitution then if that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Hmm, we should try that. Yeah, Brian, you're you're not busy, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Let's do that. Round two. I know there's a surge in sales, but it's more of like a stocking up thing. Like I just mm-hmm. don't see it continuing down this path, like if things kind of slowly well, back up back open. And so like is it stocking up or have you guys seen those videos of people going on a jog? filming their neighbor's uh, recycle bins, <laughs> 17 uh, bottles of wine and, yeah. and, and bourbon bottles all over the place. Um, yeah. so I don't know if it's stocking up. You know, in full transparency, my, my consumption is definitely up because I don't know, every, every day feels like a, a Friday and a Saturday kind of. So it, it's like, all right, well, it is five o'clock. I can go ahead and have a drink. And then some days like, all right, it's three o'clock. I'm not doing anything the rest of the day. I, you know, I'm not getting drunk or hammered any of the times, but it's definitely more than I normally would during the week. Um, so, you know, that, that adds up over time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my consumption's way up. It actually, yesterday I was like, I am taking a day off. Yesterday was yeah. the first yeah. day. And I still haven't had a drink yet. And I'm like, 
I was like, I haven't not drank ever since, since this started. And it, you know, <laughs> I would usually drink, take like three or four days off a week, mm-hmm. but now it's mm-hmm. like you, you just do two, three, four every night. Cause you get off, it's five o'clock with Andy. And then, you cut in President Trump's on, and then you have dinner, and then, <laughs> and then you put your you have dinner with your kids, and you turn on a movie, then you go to bed, and you have more drinks, and the next thing you know, you're in bed, and you wake up repeat. So, yeah. so your meetings of the day are Andy, Donald Trump, kids, <laughs> dinner, <Yep. laughs> dinner. Got it. Got it. No That's wonder you need a drink. Jeez, <laughs> I might be the only one. Like, I feel like I'm still like my like normal scale, like yeah, normal no. self. Um, I'm right there with you, Kenny. Yeah. I was like, I don't really think anything's really changed in that regard. However, there were a lot of stats that came out. Uh, I had mentioned them, I believe last week on the opening of the podcast, uh, talking about really like there has been a spike in alcohol sales. Like it's, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no hiding it. Like there has been a surge. Um, but then there was another great article that came out, uh, an opinion article by Steve Coombs, uh, last week that kind of talked about like, are people actually drinking more or are they just hoarding? Uh, because if you look at the actual sales of things that are uh, happening, it's a lot of like 1.75s and one liters of stuff. And so, uh, that equates to a lot of unfortunately Tito's, but there's also a lot of 1.75s of, uh, maker's mark and other types of, uh, you know, basically bulk whiskey that people are actually purchasing rather than going out and, you know, getting this little 750 here or anything like that. People are actually making these big bulk purchases. However, I think most of us here have enough bourbon in their library or their <laughs> choose, choose any random, <laughs> choose any random closet in your house that, uh, could defeat the most, uh, most, general populace out there so i i tell you i've been doing these uh nightly tastings and i've been trying to be creative with the stuff i taste and and um and that's when you i i, I found that that's that's the one the one way to like determine how much i really care about a bottle because i'm finding myself being very reluctant to go into my stash of like 1930s to 1950s stuff hmm. and um and i'm like i i I know it's, I know people want to see me drink that, but I, I, I can't do it. I can't open it up yet. I don't want to open it up for that. I want to open it up for something else. So maybe it will get there. But what I have noticed is that, yes, while we have a lot of stuff, it's very interesting to see what I am drinking because, you know, when I'm not, you know, uh, live streaming or something, I'm drinking something very different and it's not stuff that, uh, I would norm that I wouldn't think I would be drinking. So just Evan Williams bottled in bond. <laughs> that's it's funny about that it's mainlining it it's funny you say that fred because i think uh, you know me and eric have talked about this a few times we've almost taken like the opposite approach in fact eric did an opinion piece on the site not too long ago where you know the more we the more we know people are getting impacted especially with nick and eric and being in new york i think it's almost switched our mindset to be like yeah those special bottles we were holding on to maybe we'll start cracking one or two more of those more often just because you never know right so i think it's interesting you say that and it'll be even more interesting to see how your mentality changes the longer this yeah. potential lockdown goes down. Right. Like yeah. That'll be truly interesting. I, yeah. It's definitely a psychological thing and, and it's not really, it, it's, it's, I'm definitely still drinking the, the, the good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I've got some of those really, really rare bottles that I hunted for, I worked hard to get and, and, you know, I was looking forward to like cracking them open with friends and on like yeah, cigar night yeah. or something. And it's like, when the hell am I ever going to be around people again? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to look at the, see that the, hopefully the, the light is at the end of the tunnel, but man, I just, something tells me it's not though. 
I really I want know. this to be over soon. But how do press we conference today was pretty uh it's pretty uh, grim still. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. do we how do how do we get to a point where we're not we talk about it, but not like in the depressing sense. It's like uh, oh yeah, so make sure you wear your new mask out there. By the way, the weather is gonna be fifty-five and <laughs> sunny today. You know, it's um it's only when you become used to it and yep. no one no one's bracing for that. Yep. It's uh, maybe a poor analogy, right? But in terms of, so think of when the smog index came out and, you know, you go to a polluted city or a polluted country, stuff like that. And you used to be, oh man, the smog's like off the chart. Now it's just like, you go to LA or, you know, whenever I go to India or anything like that, it's like, here's a smog for the day. Going to be bad for your health. Moving on. That's it. And you're like, oh, okay. Normal part of life now. Right. It's just going to be kind of like that. Like yeah. viruses are breaking out. Just be extra protective today. All right. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Don't so the trash cans. Yeah, right? please, please don't. But this is a good question that came in from Brian here, and he's wondering if uh, if the distribution from distilleries and distributors is way down right now, especially with hand sanitizer production going on, along with folks being quarantined. I mean, what what do you think is the the short term and the long term outcome of, of what we're going to see here? So um, I actually talked with a couple people about this from the distributor aspect, and they were saying that basically their sales numbers were about pretty close to dead on what they were in prior months. And that's 100% because of off premise. So they lost all of the on premise and were able to make up the majority of it with off premise sales. Um, now for other distilleries who rely heavily on their tasting room, or that's even, you know, they lost that part, which really hurts. But as far as like the big guys go, I don't know that they're that affected because the the demand through distribution has been so strong because retail has been so strong. Um, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that all I, I think the hand sanitizer thing is great for their um, for them just kind of giving back. But it, it's not really making up a huge um, part of their revenue. And ultimately, I think it's the smaller guys who are going to be affected who who have a bigger, um, you know, tasting room and all that kind of, all those kind of sales going on. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. anybody who geared up for tourism mm -hmm. is just looking at this scared and slammed. Yeah. Just scared. Kind of want to get, you know, Brian or Jordan's kind of yeah. thoughts of, if we see any kind of short or long-term effects of these distilleries having been shut down or producing sanitizer. So, yeah. So sanitizer, I think it's great, right? I'll, I'll address that first. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I have yet to see some hit areas or at least even be available online. I think it's going to first responders, which is the right thing. So that's even better. But I was thinking about this the other day as, as I was going for a run on the treadmill, right? So all these distilleries the last two years have just dumped money in expanding their visitor centers, right? Woodford just opened up their new one, right? Buffalo Trace was doing a huge expansion. Everyone's, that was the whole the whole shtick, right? Let's dump more money. Let's think big thing, right? But those who have put all this money in there, it's almost a shame because I don't know if it's ever going to go back to the way of having just a crush of people line up at a bar, right? Think of going to a Woodford for a Buffalo Trace on a Saturday, right? With all the tourists, everyone's just lined up getting shots and tasting their samples and stuff like that. And that may never go back to the way it was. And, um, you know, they might be regretting that, that influx of cash they just put in that visitor experience now. I mean, I think it'll come back um, to at least some extent, but that's never where they're making their money. I mean, they, they they have to get the people there in the first place. And there are a lot more people who are drinking Woodford than ever that ever make it to that tour. 
or to, to any sure. of the distilleries. So they've they've got plenty of, of bourbon that they've distilled in the last few years, socked away. That'll still come to the market. Um, and they just need to find a new way to market it in, instead of trying to bring people to the distillery, which I think is a small percent. I mean, it's growing percentage, but it's a smaller percentage. So we're, we're taking a hit on the old bourbon trail um, as far as that marketing goes. But there's I think there's plenty more to do and they can recover from that. Yeah. yeah. And humans forget things. I mean, it's, yeah, we're, I mean, it's easy now to say, Oh, we won't. Can, but it's like, even like after the last recession, you know, like, and people got in trouble with, you know, loans and <laughs> mortgages or whatever. And like a year later, they're doing the exact same damn thing. Yeah. Like, yeah we're still giving like <laughs> no proof mortgages and like, yeah. you know, I, AR or uh, whatever you call it, but adjust uh, yeah. arms and all that stuff. Yeah, arms. Yeah, we just need like two more tweets that says "whiskey kills the virus" and it'll open everything. <laughs> 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 Start just spreading the rumors now. Might That's as right. well. So, um, I guess that that kind of makes me want to go into uh, sort of like the next segment here, um, and that's looking at House Bill four fifteen. Um, so I know that a lot of us have been kind of following this for, for quite some time uh, in regards of what this means. And there's this, uh, this great PDF that got sent out by um, some of the people that were for the bill and making it happen. So just to kind of like digest this down and what this really means is that, uh, and hopefully what this means is a potential domino effect of what we could see for the rest of the United States to hopefully latch onto. And this is the giving the ability for distilleries to now ship direct to consumers, completely bypassing a distributor and bypassing, and actually, I guess they function as the retailer in this point, right? And that's what I know that there was a lot of um, commotion, I guess you could say, from distributors and everything like that and retailers that didn't want this. I mean, of course you don't want this, right? I mean, this kind of like, it pokes a hole in your whole business model. But the, uh, the other side of this is that this is now putting spirits and putting Kentucky as one of the first states to now have the same exact law as around what is it like uh, 40 or 42 other states that allows shipping of wine, right? I mean, shipping of wine from California to anywhere else, like it's pretty, pretty standard. Um, however, this is now starting to uh, allow this to happen for, for greedy spirits. So looking at this now, um, I'm all for it. I think this is something that we've been all for it for a while. Blake, I know, is he's, he's over the moon for it. Uh, but I kind of want to think, is there, because I know, Fred, we had brought this up before, and, and this, mm -hmm. you know, you were, you had talked about the warning signs of saying, like, well, all it's going to take is for, like, you know, one kid to intercept something, and then this could all, all go under. Has this bill passed, like, sort of changed your mind in regards of of, of potentially, like, the the shift we're starting to see in in the legal side of things. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. 
Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. You had talked about the warning signs of saying like, well, all it's going to take is for like, you know, one kid to intercept something and then this could all all go under. Has this bill passed, like sort of changed your mind in regards of 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 potentially like the the shift we're starting to see in in the legal side of things? Well, first of all, I've always been for, you know, some type of shipping. I have always thought that, you know, if wine can do it, you know, whiskey should have that same right. Uh, I've always just taken the side of like I or taken the kind of devil's advocate side of like, I know like how the, the wholesalers think. And as soon as this bill was passed, they came out against it very heavily and uh, basically said it was a shame that Kentucky took advantage of a, of a, of a pandemic to get this thing passed. And they called the, they called the KDA and a bunch of people who pushed for quote, bad actors. Uh, I, I, they use that a lot in their press releases. I still don't understand what that means. Well, but, the governor uh, still hasn't like approved or vetoed it, right? He hasn't even like right. Didn't the auto it, go into law then? Yeah, it, not until like June or July, I believe. It's something. Yeah, like that. so there's a 90 day period before it become goes into law. But it's like it was, but by him not signing it or vetoing it, it, it basically passed, and that was just uh, the weird provision to it. So it's it's good, uh, but yeah, I think from a from. Um, from an overall perspective of like people have kind of swung to this pendulum of like, as long as someone is checking the ID and Oh, by the way, the wholesalers, they own a little piece of a company called Drizzly. So they're okay with delivery as long as they are getting, you know, it's as it seems, as long as they are have like a guaranteed structure of someone, you know, being 21 and, and someone texted me today and said, the wholesalers are okay as long as they're getting their cut. That's what I was going to say. I was like, making sure they're know, still getting their 25%. Yeah. That's what I was right. making sure. That's what you were going to say. And and that's, hey, I, I get that. But look, if wineries can do it, distillers should be able to. That's it. You just sounded like a bad actor. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, with this, it's still only to like six reciprocating states, right? So no, it's it's more than that. It's it's like twelve, I believe. Yeah, yeah I'll, it's I'll a handful, it but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a handful, and it's in that it's in that release. Um, but the some of the big wine states aren't on there, so California is not on there. But uh, you know, Rhode Island. What are we going to get from Rhode Island or Hawaii? 
I mean, hold on now. Rhode yet. Island's got some decent distilleries there. Oh, do they? Okay, yeah. shows you what I know. All right, so here are the states: uh, Alaska, oh boy, <laughs> Arizona. Hey, you know what? Uh, no, Connecticut, <laughs> Hawaii, Kentucky, Nebraska. Oh boy, Nebraska, uh, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Rhode Island, and Washington D.C. Hmm. Giddy up. Yeah, I mean, when I look at this, though, I try to think, picture it from, and I think this is one of the things that Chris, one of the people that helped draft this and lobby for it, kind of looked at this as really the first domino to fall, right? I mean, this is this is a, a radical change in consumer demand and the way that laws have to now adapt to what we're going through. I mean, I think John Henderson said it in the YouTube chat a little bit earlier, like, it only took a global pandemic for us to finally move the industry forward. Right. And and if you look at that, I think we are moving in the right direction now. Yeah, the- it's a it's a move in the right direction, but you need yep. you need a, a legit state to jump on board with this to make it matter. And like, well, I think it, we're the first legit state, it, you know. Well, but yeah. the thing is, the, the the list of states you just listed off, they're nothing in the right. game. You mean you like need a large one, like, Texas, yeah, yeah. you need Georgia, yep. Florida, yeah. you need somewhere yep. like that. And that's when it's going to make the most difference, like because no offense to the other states, but they're. They're peanuts compared to those. And like, I just have a feeling too, those states are going to iron fisted, you know, to keep it in their states as well. So it's a great move in the right direction, but it's not there yet. Well, I mean, do you look at this as, as a move for that or is it a move to actually help distilleries, right? This is, this is another, another way that we can look at putting more, just more money back into the pocket of the distillers. Uh, We've, I don't know how many times we've talked about this on the show that the three tier system has been a problem. And that's why the secondary market exists because, um, you know, that goes off to the distributor and the distributor goes, well, I don't know, like it goes to whatever kind of algorithm that they want to, however they want to do it. This now puts a little bit more power to the, the distilleries if they want to do it. If yeah, they- true, but they still have to have the distributor to process the tax payments and stuff. So the distributor is going to charge something and get a little bit, but it does, it's definitely great for the distiller. Because they're going to keep more revenue, but the distributor is going to have, because well, I doubt each distiller is going to have their own, you know, to, maybe they will though, but oh, I just I don't see enough, I just don't see enough shipping demand with those states to justify having uh, a dedicated team to deal with the tax implications of, you know, shipping and cutting out the distributor at, at just- the current level. Not just the tax, though, right? Building out three commerce capabilities, building out the team that's shipping everything, dealing with the customer experience online, and all that stuff. It's it's harder than people realize to just yeah. snap your fingers and do those things. I think more of this will be people actually in the distillery saying, "Hey, I want to ship it. I want to ship it home." And it's like if you're in one of these twelve states, you can do it. And I think the little guys will be the or, or the smaller distilleries will be the one who really take advantage of this. Um, somebody forwarded me an email from Buffalo Trace. And now granted, um, I think we've talked about it before. Buffalo Trace is not a member of KDA and I don't know how that relationship is, but they kind of were like, eh, it really doesn't help anyone. Yeah, there you go. And and so um, overall, I think it'll be more about people able to take advantage of doing interesting, you know, crazy ideas like, hey, let's do an online release or um, or just being in person at the distillery, then that way you can ship it home. Um, but you know, it, is it a giant step forward? Probably not from, unless you live in one of those States, but it's definitely progress. I mean, it doesn't yeah. benefit me at all. It kind of cuts seal box out, which, but I'm happy for, because it's just like, 
why can't we do these things? Like it, it's just dumb. So yeah, I think the well, biggest gainer is like Willets and uh, like mm-hmm. Barrel Bourbon. Um, yep. mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. those small to mid tier distilleries. Like because the big boys, I mean, they got their distribution models, and they're pretty much anywhere yep. and everywhere. They're, they're everywhere. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think any major state, any of the big market states that anyone's mentioned, was would pass a law like this until Kentucky did. So I think that's the significance of this. This is it's a whatever size step you want to call it, but none of the Texas wasn't going to do this. California is not going to do this until we do it because we've got 95% of the bourbon. We've got the distilleries here. If their state wants to take part in this, this they couldn't have done it until we did it first. But hey, but hey, I mean, yep. let's let's also kind of think about what's happening right now. Like things are changing. Like even Texas is changing their laws at the current moment because like they are now allowing uh, liquor deliveries. They're allowing trucks that had been for only specified for delivering alcohol to now actually help deliver groceries. Right. Mm-hmm. Like so they're they're bending the rules to make this happen. Um, you know, Virginia is now allowed uh, shipping to happen within state. Pennsylvania is now starting to allow uh, distillery ship directly. Yep. Right. This is this is just something that as people start getting used to this, like and they find out like, oh, my gosh, like I didn't lose a finger. Like, we're OK. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think that that's mm-hmm. what it takes. Like, I mean, in this, it's just it's so radical on either side that they want to go with it, that sometimes it's better just like, ah, uh, just bury my head in the sand and just wait, well, wait for all the, wait for like people not to care. And, and Brian, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but basically the Supreme Court ruling was saying, hey, if you allow shipping within your state, you have to allow shipping from outside the state. So you've got some major, and, you know, then you start to consider Drizzly as a, delivery service um there's that's where i think the dominoes could really start to fall where pennsylvania's opened it up virginia has opened it up illinois allows shipping within the state new york i believe allows shipping within the state and that's where i think even more could start to um take place whenever you know you've got the the total wine or tennessee versus total wine whatever it was from this past summer where it says hey if you allow shipping within the state you can't um, I, I don't know what the verbiage, but it's like the commerce clause where you can't right. tell other states they can't come in. So. The Tennessee case was more about ownership and requiring local or not local, but state ownership of your liquor stores. So that's okay. really what that if there was an earlier case that dealt with wine. And that's where the KDA has always wanted to move is to get the bourbon equivalent of that case that allowed the, the, the shipping. If you if you allow shipping in, you got to ship it out. That sort of. Um, mm-hmm. that sort of analysis. So I think that's what this is helping us push toward. I think two quick points to make too, right? So, and the reason this is happening so much quicker during this pandemic is one, make no mistake, politicians themselves like to drink. So do their family members, so do their friends. So you start seeing that push a little bit forward quicker too, right? The other thing is I'm, I'm sure they're chomping at the bit and figuring out a way to get involved in the game and push it for themselves. But Amazon has to be looking at this and just like, rubbing their hands together going, you know, let's figure this out, right? It's a pain to ship to all the states. Just ship to us. We'll, we'll just ship it out for you. We'll do the tax. We'll do everything. We're Amazon. Yeah, and they already right? have all the Whole Foods stores. You know, 100%, right? They are rubbing their hands at this opportunity. Well, and I think that's one reason that the retailers in Kentucky got together and said, we let's give away our right to ship. So the retailers actually gave something up here voluntarily. And that's because they didn't want huge players to come into the state to be the the point of shipping all kinds of new stuff that's happening around here. But I think, I think 
we all look at this as hey, it's it's a small win. Um, may may not be the, a huge catalyst for change, but it is something uh, that we see. I I agree with what Ryan said. I think we're going to see possibly some of the smaller distilleries take more advantage of this. I know that somebody that asked you know asked me they're like, hey, do you think you all will start shipping out your own pursuit series? I'm like. No, like uh, we don't, we don't want to take that on. We're happy to let Blake do that for us. Like that's something that that is, that is a part of the business that we don't want to be in. Did right? I just get cut out live on air? Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I said that you're a very integral part of our team. That, that it couldn't, it couldn't happen without you. Like, like I said, like that's, it's just one of those things that it's going to be done on a case by case basis. I don't, I don't foresee Heaven Hill and Brown Foreman moving to online sales. It's not going to happen because I don't think that they have. Uh, I mean, they've they've got the distribution network set up. I mean, it's it's clockwork. It's just greasing the wheels to make that that stuff keep going, right? Uh, throwing a little bit something extra in there that probably isn't going to make a huge dent in their pocket. Who knows? Maybe it will. Um, maybe it's just about everything you do. You got to pilot an idea and kind of see if it works. Yeah, right. and to add on to that, Kenny, the big guys aren't going to add the limited releases to this yeah. online sales. So, what are you going to do? You're going to get Jim Beam White Label, uh, direct from the distillery. But why not? Why you why know? not? Why not try to do uh-huh. a, a sale like that? I mean, like it's it's one of the things that like finally, like us tech nerds get a chance to let the bots take over. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, all right. I guess well, gonna... well, you know what you might be seeing though. You might see it more like well, if we ever get back to just going to distilleries and stuff like that. But you might see it more like wineries. Hey, we're only selling this high end release, right? Heaven Hill kind of does this now mm-hmm. with some of their stuff. If you come visit the distillery, Owen will ship a home, and you want to get a half a case, whatever, we'll ship that home with you too, yeah, right? Yeah. So that just encourages more people to go there to get those type of things. So we might start. We might actually start yeah. seeing that, right? Yeah. Will yeah. we ever see Peppy Van Winkle sold online straight from Buffalo Trace in our lifetime? Put your bets in now. No. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah. I could see charity bottles. Yeah, for sure. I would say never say never. I mean, yeah. I would say that Buffalo Trace has uh, always been always trying to like figure out like what's next. Like they're always, they're always trying to uh, uh, embrace their heritage and move forward. I don't know what their, their tagline is, but it's something around that line. But, but, you know, whether it's, it's them or whether it's their marketing agency, whatever it is, um, you know, they're, they're doing all kinds of, uh, of fun stuff of getting Harlan and, you know, finding somebody that makes knives and somebody that, uh, is cooking over an open fire and creating web series and cocktail competitions on web series. Like they're doing all kinds of stuff that perhaps not all other distillers are doing. So I could, I wouldn't put it past them that they, they would potentially make it happen one day. So who knows? We're cranking out a lot of whiskey right now. So 10, a lot of warehouses. There's, uh, there's going to be a lot of shit to sell, so they'll sell it any way they can. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah. And so, you know, when we talk about everything that's being sold, we've talked about high numbers, like skyrocket volumes and everything like that. Um, I think it was probably like two or three weeks ago that there were a lot of press releases coming out. A lot of companies are donating 50000 500000 $1 million to these, uh, these relief funds. I had somebody that sent me a message and they're like, one million that's it like these companies are doing billions in revenue and they're just donating a million dollars to the people on the front line like and and not only that as i think they're also you know they switch over making some sanitizer here and there like in your opinion you know as a as you look at some of these companies that are that are doing upwards of a billion dollars a year or they're doing uh hundreds of millions of dollars a year and they're only donating one to charity like do you think it's a little just a drop in the bucket or you think they should be doing more? 
Uh, I mean, so here, you know, I'm about to get off this here in a minute to 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 run a charity, and I work my. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I work my ass off trying to raise money for for charities, and I, I do. I do find that it's a little disingenuous, disingenuous sometimes from these companies uh, just to write checks. Um, I really, and they could, they could write more, but let's, let's not kid ourselves. A million dollars is a lot of money coming from anywhere, no matter what company it is. And um, you know, I, I applaud that. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Uh, But I, you know, I don't know if they could donate more because they still got salaries. You know, they still got products. They still got equipment. They still got, uh, you know, people they have to pay. But what I'd like to see more of is kind of boots on ground kind of, you know, stuff. And um, I, to me, a check is just just a check. It's 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 a it's money with no soul. And not to say that these distilleries don't have uh, people out there putting um, put a lot of effort into, you know, raising funds. You know, we're doing something tonight with Pinhook that's, you know, to me is is, is grassroots. It's it's uh, more effective than just writing a check. You know? Yeah, and I had a, we talked about this, Kenny. I kind of had a, you know, an issue with just how long it took for them to to get in. It took you know Brown and Foreman to be kind of the catalyst. You know, they did it, and then everyone kind of followed suit. Like, and you know, it's like funny. Like Brown Foreman did it, made announced a million, then. Next day, Jim Beam announces a million. Then the next day, Buffalo Trace is like, "Well, we'll do four hundred thousand. And Heaven Hill's like, "Well, we'll do four hundred thousand. It's like, "Come on, guys! I mean, these are your the people that are out of work are like you said, they're the ones that are out on the front lines promoting your product day in day mm-hmm. out. And I just felt like it was disingenuous because it was like more of a peer pressure thing than like a come from the heart thing. And I feel like they from the get-go, they should have been on it. and because uh, these they're making incredible profits right now. And I mean, not right now, but before this, and uh, you know how, how I feel about charity, you know, Kenny and Fred, and it's a big part of my life. And I, I just thought, yeah. that, um, I just thought it was a little disingenuous and thought it was more peer pressure than from, uh, than from the, the heart, I guess. So you're really right. And it, it, and they will, they probably all went through like the, what's the best look for our brand conversation mm-hmm. and and you know what, when I, I i don't know i, I would say most of them did that sorry fred except wilderness trail i mean those guys have been legit from the beginning mm-hmm. they're giving sanitizer to the local hospital in danville i mean you got two guys in their team running around in their truck delivering this yeah and right. and they don't have that kind of money to to just throw away um, I, I don't mean throw away. I mean, just to, to give, to donate throw like around, that, throw around. You throw around. That's right. Jordan. Thanks. Um, so they do have boots in the ground. So, I mean, you've got some good people out there. I think you, you all are right. You got some people out there that are running it through the marketing and they did test markets before they announced the dollar amount. I mean, I, I don't doubt any of that kind of stuff happened. Yeah. But you got some really good players out there who, but who we also, love their fans. I think we also have to be very cautious not to be overly cynical here. Like, yeah. I, I think, I think it's yeah, very sure. easy for us yeah. to do that. And folks, a million dollars is a million dollars. I mean, it's, that's a lot of money. That's going to put a lot of food on the table for a lot of people. And, you know, I loved what Brown Foreman did. One of the things that Brown Foreman did uh, outside of just writing a check is that they, they uh, donated their kitchen and their kitchen staff to provide meals 
uh, through April, you know, for people in, in their neighborhood and, and that surround and their surrounding areas. And, and folks, those aren't that those are not good parts of town. You know, so those are people who, uh, you know, take the bus line and get a, you know, and work a, a position, you know, that that's gone right now. And so like I that's the kind to me, that's the kind of stuff that's not disingenuous. It's it's really about like their community and, and you are seeing it. It's just when they make a big deal out of it and then someone does say, you know what, that's really not that much money considering you're a you know, $2.5 billion company or whatever. So, but yeah. And, and make, and like makers Mark did some great too. You know, they were doing all those meals at the Omni with Ed Lee and for mm-hmm. restaurant workers, all you had to do is bring your, I think they donate over a half a million dollars in food for restaurant worker families. You know, I, it hasn't been publicized, but Willits has been donating meals daily to, uh, you know, Flagey and local hospitals there in E-Town every day, like 200 plus meals and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, but yeah, I, I, I think it's easy to get a little cynical on it and be like, oh, well, they're making who knows how much money. And it's like, well, you never quite know. I mean, I guess publicly traded companies, we could see their financials, but you know, um, I forget who it was, but somebody made a good point in the chats of, you know, gross revenue is not net income. Um, and so why we could say they had a billion in sales, um, who knows, maybe they're investing in other things. And so, you know, kind of like what Fred said, a million dollars is a million dollars. That's still a lot of money. You know, do you like to see that it was kind of like a domino effect of, Hey, they did it. So I did it. I don't know. I kind of like that because it's like, you know, you kind of, uh, well, so this person doesn't want to be outdone. So then they, they're going to donate a million dollars too. Well, that's still another million dollars that's going to somebody who needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to get cynical just because I, th- I feel like I've seen both sides of it. Like the money spends the same, whether it came from an altruistic standpoint or whether it came from, hey, let's give them a million dollars and then spend $5 million uh, promoting our good deed. Like, y- you know, we-, we could all kind of criticize a little bit of everything. I didn't give a million dollars to any of this. And so it's kind of, you know, so well, you uh, did, you did, uh, we did do a fundraiser together, Blake, in which we, you know, we came mm-hmm. close to raising nearly, you know, 10 grand. So, you know, we had, and, and that's true. Yeah. And, and that's where I think it just gets difficult to try to judge exactly, uh, you know, who has given the most. And I, I don't know, for, for me, that's like, they did a good deed. I'm not going to like put them on a pedestal and praise them all night. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to tear them down thinking they're, oh, you're cheap because you only gave a million dollars. Like a million dollars is still a lot of money. Yeah, it's big time. For yeah, sure. Speaking of charities, guys, I got a bounce to go and uh, get set up for the pin hook. Everyone come over to the, Kenny will give you come details, on. but come over to the, to the pin hook tasting. Yep. We'll yep. see you there in a minute. But I'm geez. sorry if I came off judgmental. I wasn't trying to be judgmental. <laughs> you're very you're, you're fine. You're fine. No, no, but I think that is frustrating. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand here and say that. Like you see these huge companies just giving what looks like chump change, and then it is frustrating. But at the end of the day, it's like it's still I don't want to spend my night my time thinking about what they could have given versus what they actually did. Like and keep it moving a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we got yeah. better things to do. Yep. All right. So let's let's end this on a high note real quick. We got about like uh, two minutes left. So when all this is over, what do you think is gonna be the best thing that's gonna come out of COVID nineteen? Shipping be- nationwide. Here we go. <laughs> Boom. There it is. Uh I think for me it's like I've I don't know about you all, but I've like talked to my neighbors more than I've ever have and 
I don't know. It's just kind of created that neighborhood of feel, even though it's like six yeah. feet away. Like the other day, my neighbor like found out I was in bourbon. He's like, I make a great Manhattan. He dropped it off on my porch. And now I'm like taking my Manhattan over there. And I hadn't talked to him in four years. You know, like, I don't know. So that's kind of cool. But I, Yeah. I'm on a small cul-de-sac and I learned the name of one of my neighbors who's, whose wife is pregnant. It's like, okay, good. You know, how do I not know that they've been living on the cul-de-sac for, I don't know, four years, I guess. Yeah. Um, but so it's, it's, I'm, I'm meeting the people on the, on the short street that I'm on. And then overall, it's going to be appreciation for friends. I mean, and, and that, that human contact. Yep. Um, now the being isolated is going to be so much easier now because we're just going to be used to it and all the technology is going to be there. So we might have to work for it, but appreciation of friends and then that human contact, I think is what's going to come out of this. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. Not only being able to appreciate and being able to see them in person, but I think, you know, coming out of this, I'm appreciative of the fact that I'm just reconnecting with a lot more folks too, or just talking to folks more often than I might normally would, right? Which has been fantastic. So talking to friends more, talking to family more, really taking a second to ground myself and think about what's important and uh, not get caught up in the rat race and just focus on on those folks that, you know, mean a lot to me. So uh, I'll continue to be appreciative of that. And it'll be great to see them in person finally. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. I'm- Go ahead, Blake. Sorry, dude. I, no, I was going to say that I think I saw like a funny meme of like, had a great conversation with this lady on a couch the other day. It turns out she's my wife and she's quite lovely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like, you kind of get so busy in your day to day. Not to say that a house of four kids is not completely frustrating at times, but, um, you know, it, it is. It's like you meet neighbors, you're out, you're like being a little more creative with what you're going to do and taking walks. So, um, you know, we've been lucky enough where we're not like getting laid off and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's a whole nother thing, but overall mm-hmm. it's just talking with people. I mean, I've seen you guys three of the last four days and we're going to see each other on Friday. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can't get away from each other. That's what it ends up happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think, uh, I think Fred, uh, alluded to at the beginning of this. I think the best thing that's going to come out of this is every parent out there will just be like, I didn't realize how much we needed teachers and we needed schools yeah. and institutions because yep. going absolutely crazy at home because I am not cut out to be a teacher. I'm not cut out to be a daycare person. Uh, I am, I am more than happy to shovel money away and have somebody else take care of that for me uh, that that can do it a lot better than I can. So that's, that's going to be my one big takeaway is that, you know, when teacher appreciation day comes around, well, those gift cards will be rolling in. <laughs> Be at an all-time high. Does Sealbox have gift cards? <laughs> they do. They, they Ooh, do. Nice. Yeah, add that one into their card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that, let's go ahead and let's end this so we can head on over to uh, to the next back-to-back live show for the night. So yeah, for the uh-huh. All-Stars. I'll drop off. Yeah, so, I'll drop off with you, Ryan. Let's, let's go drinking, Ryan. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll start off the lowest of the totem pole if that's what you're going to do it. So, Brian, you go up first. Yeah, lowest of the totem pole. Brian with Sipping Corn. You can find me mostly on Twitter at Sipping Corn and online, sippingcorn.com and bourbonjustice.com. Appreciate being part of number 43, guys. Glad to have you here. Jordan. I'll go next since I'm lower. Oh. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm with Brian. Second rung? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, Jordan. Sure. This is uh, Jordan from Breaking Bourbon, one of the three guys over there. You can find us uh, at Breaking Bourbon and all the socials. And also make sure to check out the website for our near daily release calendar updates. All right, Blake. 
All right, on me, I'm Blake from Bourboner. Always fun to be here. Really appreciate it. You know, the, these are always fun. We kind of joke about, uh, you know, being bored and drinking bourbon, but this is always a good time. Was disappointed I couldn't get my chats to work, so I uh, wanted to jump in the chats a little more tonight. But we got another one coming up Friday, so we'll we'll do it again with some more blind tastings. But, guys, always thanks. Always fun having me, so I uh, appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for tonight. Cheers, everybody. Thank you again for joining the 43rd recording of the Bourbon Roundtable. And let's find the, let's get the arrest of Carol Baskins happening. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. With that, cheers, everybody. And we'll talk to you relatively soon. Bye. Cheers, guys.